From inside their room at the Bates Motel, it's the Digigods. Now please welcome two men who shouldn't take a shower, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Mark, you can stop typing. We're we're losing uh, all the original intros now. So, Corey, who sent that one in? That was brought to you by Ashley Fakaba and Ashley. I, I, they, I think they should. Yeah, they, they should take a shower. Not together, yeah. but they should. Good. You should smell it in here. Yeah. It stinks in here. What? It does. It's stinky in here. How we, dare you? Yeah. You know what stinks? Pan. Pan the the movie. Pan the motion picture. The uh, Hugh Jackman uh, as the bald black beard. Peter Pan prequel, whatever it is. Well, it turns out there will not be a sequel to that prequel. Yeah. Unless, well. unlike Terminator, it does so well in China <laughs> that they have to download. Well, you know, Peter Pan's big in China. Huge. It's a very important story. China is like the country that never grew up. Yeah, it kind of is in, in some very disturbing ways. But uh, on, a, on another note, um, let me reiterate, we need new intros. We haven't, uh, we, we haven't I think, stressed that enough. So please... Send us intros. Send us intros. A lot of you have been really great in the past. You've piled them on. We need them. So throw them in. New intros. We don't have the IGN moniker anymore, so uh, just uh, shoot us your cool ideas for intros. You know the format. From the blah, uh, here are a couple of guys, blah, Mark Heiser and Wade Banger. That's it. We have not changed. You know what? We, we came up with that format. Yeah. Or may I just say, to be you, more specific, you came up with that format. I came up with that format. I feel it works. It does. Continues to work to this day. Well, it, it, it's, a, it's very Letterman esque, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. And now, a man who blank, David. Le- By the way, doesn't seem like Letterman's been gone for like a year. It, it feels like he's been gone forever. It's been how many months? Uh, you know, six. Yeah. Maybe. No. Well, anyway. All right, well, here's what we want to do, Wade. Even though we are unshackled. New, intro. New intros. Some housekeeping first. Send us new intros, gods at digigods.com, gods at digigods.com. Send us uh, listener mail. Send us uh, your, your Vox Box recording questions. Try to keep them, you know, uh, like 30 seconds, uh, no longer than a minute, but that's, you know, up to you. If it's really interesting, you can, you can go as long as you want. We'll, we'll fill in the middle of the show and just eat something. Uh, Not this week. I have nothing for you. That's fine. Because I've, deci- I've decided. Yes. Because I've gained a bunch of weight again. Mm-hmm. I'm now at the at, at the uh, DefCon One weight where I, I lose all my self esteem. I have a theory, by the way. Can I tell you what I'm going to do? Yeah, go ahead. Tell me. So what I've you're not doing. baked anything. You have not baked anything. And it, here's my thing. Yeah. I'm going to get down to the weight I want to get at. Yes. And my incentive is when I do that. Yeah. I will buy myself an iPhone Six Plus S. Nice. So. I just got one. A Six Plus. S. A Six Plus. S. Six S. Six Plus S. Yes. Oh, you did? Yeah, it's in the mail. I I, I haven't gotten it yet, but now uh, why now why did you get that as opposed to the uh, regular six plus uh, the regular six S? Um, be, just because I know I know that I, here's my fear with technology. This is why I'm I'm this is why I, I spend far too much on technology when I actually spend on technology, um, because I'm always afraid that I will hit that wall and I'll go. Dah! Why didn't I get the higher-end model of it? If I get the highest possible, the most memory possible, the largest hard drive possible, the fastest processor possible, the biggest screen possible, then if I get frustrated, I go, eh, but it's the best there is. And it'll be obsolete 
in 18 months yeah. instead of 16 months. Exactly. And that's just fantastic. But also because there's also higher resale value. That was something I learned a long time ago with, with computers. I was able to upgrade my computer every other year because every two years the resale value on the computer was still really significant before it really took a dive. So I was able to resell it so that it essentially becomes almost like leasing my computer for, you know, like $40 a month. In the overall out of when you look at the out of pocket expenses, it's like leasing a computer for forty dollars. Well, you know that's something that's sort of I, as long as I'm getting really great resale value, and if you get the top of the line maxed out, big mama, that's sort of how it all usually shakes out. I find with iPhones, the amount of memory helps. If you can say your iPhone's Absolutely. got sixty four yeah. gigs, yeah, then that means a lot as opposed to uh, sixteen gigs. Yes. So and my iPhone 5... It's also about putting movies on it, too. You know, movies and TV and video and Well, that's the audio. thing. I figure it'll probably be a little bit bigger of a pain in the ass to walk around with it. But in the times that I need it, A, failing eyesight, B, need to watch videos... I have a toddler. Do you know... Let me, let me explain this to you. I have a toddler. And when you have a child, your phone is not a phone. It is not a computer. It is not for email. It is not for anything other than, oh, quick, look, she just ate a piece of chocolate and dribbled it. Quick, get that. And it's for, it's for photos and videos. That's all it is. See, I thought you were going to say. And I need the battery power because you go to Disneyland, you got that thing like, it's, it's, it's like a surveillance camera. It just doesn't stop. See, I thought you were going to say that the mm. phone, the bigger phone is really for Peppa Pig. That too. That too. Streaming Peppa Pig in the car, you better believe it. All right, Wade, here's we, the thing. We, we, did a, we, did, we had a Lafka meeting. We did, and yes, we uh, did. Wade, uh, of course, he's only saying this because uh, <laughs> he had a lot to say at this Lafka meeting. And uh, you know what? If you want to see Wade give a speech, uh, well, it's, it's a private dinner in a few months, but Wade will be giving a speech uh, in the early January yeah. in Century City, California. I was Wade, very why happy. will you be giving a speech? Well, we, you know, when, when we have our – this was our October meeting. The October meeting is always for choosing the uh, Career Achievement Award winner, which is always a very interesting and lively discussion. Certain people have their favorites, and they will always name them. Norman Lloyd. Even, <laughs> even Enough if, with Norman Lloyd. Even if you go for years and years and years, there's always somebody in the peanut gallery that says, you know, why can't we give it to, you know, Robert Benton or whatever? Uh, and even without any support, that, that person, they'll just stick to their guns and uh, year after year. So there's a, there's a lot of those. But uh, it's always interesting. Sometimes people come out of left field. Anyway, no, I made a, I made a very impassioned uh, pitch for, for Ann V. Coates, and it carried it. Everybody kind of got on board, and a lot of people are big fans of hers. Todd McCarthy was on a jury with her. and. Uh, you mean like a jury, like a... A film, a film festival okay, jury. Not, not no, a, no, 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 no. Not, not like a, let's a trial. Film, no. Uh, and uh, you know Justin Chang wrote a great book on uh, on film editors and, and interviewed her extensively. I'm for surprised it. he did not. He was not more uh, vociferous in his uh, support. He was. He was into it. He was into it. He was. Because he's also on the executive. He doesn't want to appear to be too you know All partial. Right. So. All right. Well, here's the thing. And because if you don't know, she uh, most famous for of course editing uh, Lawrence of Arabia, but also you know what? It's Elephant un- Man. Anvi Coates is 90 years old. She's still a working editor. Uh, she, she was born in England, Arthur, Arthur J. Rank's niece. Uh, when he found out that she wanted to go into the business, he tried to basically sabotage her career. He didn't, you know, Rank was all about keeping his family out of this horrible business. He was a very, very conservative, very religious man trying to sort of, you know, purge the business of all these horrible elements. And he heard that his lovely niece was wanted to get into the business. He's like, no, that's not going to happen. So he tried to, he basically tried to sabotage her career and um, didn't do it. And she wound up, the famous part of that story is she wound up with the experience that she got working on these just dreadful, like, church tour 
guide movies that he had her do. Um, she went to Pinewood Studios, which he helped found. Went to it, went for an interview as a as an assistant editor. Did not tell anybody that she was Arthur Rank's niece. And she lied through her teeth in the interview, claiming that she had all kinds of experience that she didn't actually have, and she got the job. And a few years later, she was so proficient at editing that she got her first uh, solo gig as, a, as an editor. She was an assistant editor on, uh, on things like The Red Shoes. Um, but she, um, she wound up you know, getting, becoming a full-fledged editor, did some great British films. Finally, Lawrence of Arabia, you know, was, uh, was, she was the one, by the way. People don't realize this. That great cut that everybody always gives David Lean credit for, the, the great match sunset cut, you know, boom, blowing out the match, that was her idea. She was, that was going to be a dissolve. If you look at David Lean's work on Bridge of the River Kwai, all the transitions are dissolved, very classical dissolved. She was the one that had been watching a lot of French New Wave, and, and she imported all of these techniques into, the, uh, into mainstream Hollywood filmmaking and in the, in the process changed not only the way we perceive the New Wave, but the way the New Wave perceived itself. I mean, she's a, she's a legendary editor. Other, other films on her filmography, Mark. Uh, Beckett? Beckett. Oh, it's the Beckett. Only answer. good movie Glenville ever made. How dare you? It is. It's, Peter Glenville is a stage guy. He never really made any cinematic movies. That movie is, again, that's all Ann Coates, the reason that works. Uh, the Elephant Man. Great movie. Amazing. Right? Yep. Uh, the, I love The Eagle Has Landed. I, I, I know people don't like that movie. I love The Eagle Has Landed. In the Line of Fire. And then she helped resurrect Soderbergh's career without a yeah. sight. Mm-hmm. Right? And then, yep. so, and Aaron Brockovich. Yep. And uh, then, here's a woman in her late 80s. Literally sitting at an avid and editing Fifty Shades of Grey. Eighty nine at age eighty nine, she turns ninety in in, uh, in a month or two. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. So she started in, in her twenties. She's editing church movies, and then in her ninety, in like at ninety, she's editing Fifty Shades of Grey. There's something kind of cool about that. That's right. And you'll yeah. be saying that when you give the speech because it was your idea to nominate her. You yes. now have to give the speech. That's fine. That's fine. I I have nothing but admiration for her. I and and because I brought this up too, she changed David Lean. You know, that's one thing we don't understand. But he and he gratefully acknowledged that too. They they fought a lot in the editing room. You know, she she knew she was there with a giant, a guy who'd won an Academy Award, who started his career as an editor. And, uh, you know, when you were, like, for example, when you were a cinematographer for Stanley Kubrick, I don't care if you were John Alcott and the, and the God Almighty cinematographer of all time, you understood that you were basically Stanley's apprentice. And that was sort of the same thing if you were an editor working for David Lean or Robert Wise. You're like, oh, my gosh, David Lean and Robert Wise, like the two most legendary editors ever. I get to edit their movie. I'm basically their assistant. And uh, she didn't take that position. She really, she butted heads with him, and it didn't matter that he was David Lean, and she was, you know, uh, you know, not David Lean, or that even that she was a woman. That none of that mattered to her, and she just blazed a path, man. It was, it, it was amazing. Amazing. What's funny lady. is that, and this just gets into a different conversation that we need to talk about DVDs and Blu-rays. Is that uh, the role of women in early film? Really, when you look at early film, yeah. women editors. Well, that was the path. Script that was girls. Open to, yeah. like they, they even called them script no, girls back then. Script girls. You know. Yeah. And there were very few because they, they weren't directing and they weren't producing. There were some. There were quite a few screenwriters actually. Quite a lot of screenwriters early on, uh, including Ruth Gordon being one of them. And then she eventually, you know, paid a, a blazed herself a trail as a as a wacky old lady actress. But some really amazing uh, screenwriters too. Uh, and you know, the 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 ones who really pioneered this, we should point out, there were a number of uh, female editors in the 30s and 40s. Notably, uh, Barbara McLean, who edited eventually, most famous probably for uh, All About Eve, but did, I mean, you look at her, the rest of her credits, it's amazing. She was Oscar-nominated almost every other year. Uh, but, but, but you know what, also, in the very early days of film, yeah. when they would take the black and white film and color yeah. tint it, yeah. right? Because, I mean, color film was 
yes. goes back to the very earliest days of, of movies, but it yeah. wasn't really color film until you know, we know the fit, whatever. Yeah. But in the very early days, when they would take the black and white film and they would tint it mm-hmm. in primary, a lot of the, if not most, of the people who were responsible for tinting every single frame of film were, women. were all women. Yeah. And then, of course, there's you know, the famous Ann Bauschens, who, uh, who edited all, almost all of Cecil B. DeMille's stuff. Um, you know the uh, if right up to the Ten Commandments. Uh, you know, so the, the the contributions of women to editing, even though they only ever constituted twenty percent of of major film editors, it's disproportionately huge the the contributions that they made to the great films of Hollywood. It really it's extraordinary, and I have a theory about it, which uh, I've never present. You know, I have friends who are female editors, and I've never actually presented them my theory because I'm afraid they'll just shoot it down and go, ah, "That's sexist." But I just think women are fundamentally more patient than men. They, they, just, they will sit and they will analyze something and they'll take their time and they'll do it right. Whereas men will look at something and you try to hit it, you make it work, and eventually it doesn't work in 10 seconds. You hit it with a hammer, you throw it against the wall, and then you break it and then you throw it out. And, you know, women will not do that. They will sit there and they will methodically work with something until it actually, you know, works. And if you extrapolate that, if women ran the world... Yes. This is how it would be. It's true. If the U.S. was run by but a woman. If, but if women ran the world, we wouldn't have this podcast, would we? If ISIS was run by a woman. <laughs> fantastic. Actually, women ran the world. Probably all we would be doing is this podcast. So anyway, let's, let's move into some uh, let, Mark uh, television. We've we got, we got a gigantic pile of TV. We'll get to the new movies. We do. Yes, we have just an ungodly amount of television. Well, let's so, get through it fast because we have ungodly uh, We'll get through it fast. I got, I got some classic, t- classic TV here just going to mention real quickly. Season one of Archie Bunker's Place is out uh, with, with young Daniel Brisbois. That was Archie Bunker trying – well, that was De- Carol O'Connor trying to keep Archie Bunker going. And, man, did they try hard. They had, uh, you know, two – basically two spinoffs from All in the Family – uh, there was Gloria, which had Gloria going out on her own without Mike. And then there was Archie Bunker's Place, which is Archie without any of his supporting staff. And basically just all of his guys. And he now owns the bar. And he's got, you know, Daniel Brisbois is kind of this, you know, he, he's raising a child by himself uh, for, the, for his niece. You know, she's she, kind of like a foster situation, except she's his niece. And it, it was supposed to be the cute factor. Never really worked. Uh, but it's an interesting failure. So that's out in season one. And then we also have uh, one of the great all-time ridiculous camp fests, uh, Cliff Robertson playing Henry Ford in Ford, the Man in the Machine. This was a uh, rather ridiculous uh, miniseries, about three and a half hours long. Uh, it was over four hours, closer to five hours, I think, with commercials at the time. Uh, and uh, you know what? Cliff Robertson chews the scenery mercilessly in this thing. It is, uh, it is a real camp fest. Not a good biopic, but decently made for the era and... Uh, you know, some pretty good supporting performances, including Hope Lang, who I always enjoy. Um, <laughs> I remember the one line so well. It's haunted me for years. And, and I wanted to see if it was still as campy as I remembered. So I threw this thing in, went right to the scene. And honestly, it's still the most ridiculous line ever, it, where Hope Lang is screaming at Cliff Robertson. She says, it's not another woman, Henry. It's your car. It's just, it's outrageously awesome. So, uh, real good camp fest. And then we have uh, Bargain Sets. Uh, The complete series of The Partridge Family is finally out. All 96 episodes in a bargain set from Mill Creek. If you want to, uh, come on everybody, uh, get along, get happy. And then also a complete set of Good Times, the complete series. (laughs) Dynamite, Jimmy Walker. It's such a product of its time. Jimmy Walker, by the way, still around. I know, still does stand-up, doesn't he? 
And then Look at uh, this. I know, right? Wow. And then uh, Mission Love. Impossible, uh, the complete series. DVD obviously, this is DVD. Lame. They wanted to uh, obviously, you know, take advantage of the uh, Tom Cruise film, so they blew out the original series in a big old brassy, brand new uh, set. The uh, complete original series, Mission Impossible, and it's pretty nice. Uh, you know, it comes in three differently sized cases. Two very, you know, obviously they're using the. Uh, the stock cases for multiple discs. So you've got seasons one through three and four through six on these uh, really big fat keep cases in a in a slip in a sleeve, and then uh, season seven of the the original series gets its own separate little box. So that's how they broke it down. I think they would have made something a little splashier if they could have done uh, some custom packaging. But they, you know, for what it is, it's 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 uh, it's good and it's a good show. And the transfers are all great. And uh, I think the show is really fun and colorful. Uh, what's also fun and colorful, just kidding, is uh, The 100. The uh, second season of The 100 is now on uh, DVD. This is a uh, typical uh, CW show, meaning everybody is smoking hot and about <laughs> 25 years old. I think the CW li- lives in like this weird like Logan's Run society where yeah. you know if you're 30 years older, 30 years or older, you, you can't uh, you can't be cast in a lead in a CW show. Totally true. This thing takes place uh, 100 years in the future after the apocalypse, Wade, and uh, mankind is living on space stations, and then um, they decide to drop 100 uh, young, hot, smoking hot prisoners uh, from the space station back onto Earth to see if Earth is uh, habitable again. And, uh, yeah, so this is season two, and uh, I just don't like any of these CW shows. I don't. I just think that they're, they're too pretty and too ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, so that's the 100, letting you know about that. Also, I, uh, I, I, you know what I really like about the 100? I like the very special um, crossover episode with Wally. It's very, it's very nice. With, with good times. With Wally, from the Pixar movie Wally. I, I don't get it. Uh, third and final season of the following is available on um, on the Blu-ray and the digital HD. This thing uh, was a bit of a mini phenomenon in season one. Then season two, meh. Season three, we're done. Nice to see Kevin Bacon, who looks ageless. You know, Kevin Bacon is ageless. This guy just does not age. He's great, but the. Um, Blu-ray is pretty good. There's a lot of um, featurettes, a couple of uh, deleted scenes, which are meaningless, a gag reel, which I guess is okay. And, uh, yeah, that's the following. Then we have a show that uh, Sci-Fi had uh, given a backdoor pilot order. This is a show called Ascension. Essentially, it was a uh, miniseries, and if the miniseries did well, it would be picked up for series. However, it did uh, not do that well, so Sci-Fi declined to uh, pick it up. It's actually very funny on the back of the box when they explain the, uh, what the show is. It says, is a self-described madman in space. So nobody of any import described it as madman in space. It's self-described. <laughs> so the people who want you to buy it have described it in the most flattering way possible by calling it madman in space. Well, don't you buy it. Yeah, well, there you go. Ascension. Finally, we have uh, season, uh, uh, the final season, part two of Mad Men. And uh, this thing, uh, they went out okay. You know, it's, it's been a very controversial time for series finales. You know, there's this so is... many great series now that when they end, everybody's looking at the last, at the yeah. finale. It's like they judge the whole. If, if you bonk the finale, everybody just, it, it, the, the show is like lame. It ruins everything that came before it. Dexter, everyone hated it. How I Met Your Mother, everyone hated it. Yeah. The Sopranos, everybody was like, they mm. thought it was awesome, but they weren't sure why. <laughs> you know? Yeah. This one did, did pretty good, yeah. Mad Men. So, uh, look, at this point, if you're a completist, you should go for it. Although, uh, although I'm, I'm uh, very angry at uh, Lionsgate for re-releasing the final season on two uh, Blu-rays. Because that's lame. Yeah. Just trying to take more of your money. Yeah, I agree. 
we got a few other uh, tidbitty things here. The 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 wind calls the heart phenomenon just keeps rocking. I uh, I don't watch the Hallmark Channel, so I only ever get exposed to this thing when these DVDs show up. I uh, got two more releases this week. Wind calls the heart. Follow your heart. And uh, when calls the heart, the complete uh, five movie television movie collection. This is uh, everything that was part of the second year. So you know they do basically it's a it's a movie series is what it is. Um, but uh, you know it's a whole kind of uh, romantic outbacky Canadian uh, romance thing is very hallmark and it you know Lori Petty hasn't aged. I'll give her all kinds of. Props no, for that. She, she's aged. She may not look like it, but no. she's aged. Just putting it out there. Some of you may have may remember the greatest heroes of the Bible. This was a uh, kind of a quasi series that ran in uh, the late 1970s and uh, did some sort of well, they're hokey now, but they were mildly respectable at the time. Recreations of Bible stories. Uh, you know, you don't really compare very well to obviously the feature films of a lot of these stories, especially. Uh, uh, Ten Commandments and Samson and Delilah and, uh, you know, uh, stuff of that nature. But uh, it, for what it is, it's fine. And if there's a holiday coming up and you're, you're you know, Christian or Jewish and you want to sort of put something on that, that is better than letting the kids watch, you know, I don't know, bubble guppies, by all means, go there's, for it. There is no such thing called bubble guppies. There is. There is. And my daughter, unfortunately, is really into it because she's very much into The Little Mermaid, and the bubble guppies are all little mermaids and mermen, so she's, there's, a, there's a connective concept thing there, and now she's into the bubble guppies. You know what? I have to tell you something. If you want to make a lot of money easy, here's the thing. Yes, yeah. Here's my theory. If you want to win an Oscar yeah. easily, mm-hmm. documentary short subject. Right, uh-huh. it's, it's the lowest bar for the sure. average person to get into win an Oscar. Yes. If you want to sell a TV show, mm-hmm. a kid's show. Or a kid's book. Okay. Oh, look! It's the it's the it's the, the tw- it's Twinkly Moose. It's Twinkly Moose and his and his forest friends. Mm-hmm. They're done. You're halfway home. I you agree. You have Twinkly Moose, his forest friends. Go. Let's go pitch it and 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 uh, retire. Done. Yeah. Twinkly Moose. Little House on the Prairie, season seven remastered. Uh, they continue to pump these things out, and uh, it's fine. You know, the show it's it's a little dated, but it, uh, Michael Landon has a transcendent quality. Uh, and then uh, let's see few other we got to burn through this as fast as possible uh, Grimm continues to be a thing on television um, comes up it's back again on Fridays on NBC this is season four on Blu-ray with uh, Ultraviolet part of the whole new uh, kind of horror fairy tale thing that we're doing on television that includes Once Upon a Time uh, we've segued away from vampires and zombies now we're into the fairy tale thing and uh, you know Grimm it's a coolish looking show I, I don't quite connect to it uh, Happy-ish season one is a Showtime thing, which uh, I have to get behind because it's got Steve Coogan in it, and uh, anything with Steve Coogan is just so dry and deadpan hilarious. I don't... Coogan is like the new John Cleese, you know what I mean? Except he really is. It, it's like, you, you could just plug him into anything and let him just do his thing, but I think and he's Coogan, hilarious. But Coogan can be... A, he can be dramatic, too. I never saw oh, Cleese as being dramatic. I mean, no. he's, not that he hasn't done kind of dramatic But, but Coogan has... He has a comedic persona that is irrepressible and always works. And obviously, you know, it worked really, really well on British television, and now he's doing it here. And you know what, Happy-ish is just absolutely perfect for him because he basically plays a middle-aged guy uh, who is trying to sort of get his um, 
uh, it, with you know a really tumultuous life, and he's he's trying to get his meds right. You know, he's trying to sort of find balance in his chaotic, uh, chemically uh, imbalanced life. Uh, anyway, and it is really really funny, and it it completely connects to all of the sort of midlife crisis modern day stuff that most of us go through in the digital era and the social media era. And I think it's a sharp show, so I can't wait to see where else it goes. And uh, the um, you know the ridiculous red versus blue continues to clock on. I am not. I, I I've never played Halo. I'm not a fan of Halo. So uh, I played Halo. Halo was the only game I ever. You know what? Halo was the game that I got the most. That the, the, I got the farthest at completing. Well, good for I you. I used to love Halo. I gave up after Castle Wolfenstein. That's how long I've been at, uh, away from that. Yeah, Pac-Man. Uh, well, anyway, the, the obviously red versus blue is all uh, inspired by Halo. This is the thirteenth season of this thing. It's out on Blu-ray. Uh, it has a certain Tron quality to it, uh, but you know I'll, I'll give a gander at each of these seasons, and they all just kind of look the same. So somebody out there loves Red versus Blue, by all means, tell me. And uh, Matt Dillon in uh, Wayward Pines. This is a. I, I'm reluctant to say anything good about this, but I kind of have to. This is an M Night Shyamalan thing, uh, a mini, a small series. What are they calling these things now? They're calling them like. It's like it's only ten episodes, so it's like too long to be a miniseries, but too short to be a series, and it's like, it's, it's like what is it, like, a, a, like a limited series. Limited series is that what an it is? Event. Uh, an event. There you go. Well, whatever. Uh, but anyway, it's actually you know, uh, Shyamalan just sort of slapped his name on this, but uh, it's actually quite cool. It's based on a uh, a series of books by Blake Crouch, which I am not familiar with. But um, it's perfect. It has the M. Night Shyamalan feel, that whole kind of uh, supernatural, mysterious, thrillery thing going on. A little Twin Peaksy in a way, and uh, I'm all good with that. Uh, it's, it's not bad. So let's uh, you know, get, get behind Wayward Pines. Matt Dillon has, has done worse. Uh, Wade does uh, South Park Season 18. It just keeps going. It keeps on going because what you, your friends work on this, and they what they do them in like ten seconds. Uh, yeah, a friend they, of a, they a friend do a whole of, show in real time. A friend of a friend is one of the uh, is one of the editors, yeah. and uh, they do they do a show a week. They do an original show a week. That's that's how they're able to keep so uh, so timely. I mean, they they did that Donald Trump thing. You see the Donald Trump thing they did? No, it was um, they skewered Donald Trump. It, they at the beginning of the skewering, it was pretty funny. Where when I think it was Carbon says, you know. We thought it was just a joke that would go away. Well, it never <laughs> went away. And now he's president. <laughs> we never said, well, that was fun. That was going to be who's really going to be president. Oh, my Turns gosh. Out, you... And then, then at the end, they wind up like, you know, raping him or something, which is like lame. But, have, uh, you, have, you been, have you been reading the new Bloom County? It's the yeah, best thing. Is it really, though? Oh, it's so good. I can't decide. Oh, it's so good. Today's, today, this, 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 the, the Sunday one from this week is just precious. It is absolutely wonderful. It's a whole yoga thing. It's brilliant. Anyway, this Genius. one has, this one takes on the, you know, the usual pop culture, uh, you know, they take mm-hmm. on, you know, eating gluten and being transgender and, and freemium, the whole freemium thing. So uh, it's good. It's hit and miss, but you know what? I have to say that the show has never gotten, un, like, South, um, uh, what's it called? Family Guy, The yeah. Simpsons. They've sort of dipped over the years, but this one has stayed consistently funny. Yeah, it has. Not always hilarious, but, but never like you, you. You never watched a season and thought, "Eh, it's losing it." No. No, it's they, always they, stayed just funny enough. We were like, "Okay, they still got it." Because they they always there's always something happening in pop culture worth ridiculing. It's a, it's sort of like like John Stewart on the Daily Show. As long as people in politics and in popular culture and Kardashians and Trump and whoever else is out there just saying whatever and doing whatever, 
there's something to make fun of. So, I mean, they approach the show, I think, with like a late-night comic monologue mentality. We're just going to... We'll let the world feed us our material. Speaking of which, I'm going to say yeah. something controversial. Yeah. Go and ahead. move on. You ready? Yes. The LA show with Trevor Noah? Yeah. Dud. Really? He's not, a dud. Not into it? He's a dud. John really? Oliver, I'm getting into him. I like him. I, you know what? I don't watch any of these things on a really regular basis because I have a child and I'm usually watching movies at that time at night. Um, thank goodness I have a layoff from Film Week. I, it, it, I almost don't know what to do with my time. It's like I, I was able to really put a lot of podcast preparation time in this week and I was able to like go to the park with my daughter, which is like, wow, I, I actually got to see Daylight. Peppa Pig? Yeah, that too. Um, she's, she's learned the word anymore. You realize how deadly that is? Anymore? Do you know what anymore is in the mouth of a, of a toddler? Do you realize what that does? Uh, that when they're eating, they want more? No. It, things like this. I'm not eating pizza anymore. Oh, putting her foot down. Yep. Has she learned the words, uh, keep talking about Blu-rays or we'll be here forever? She, she knows how to say Blu-ray. Oh, <laughs> It's the funniest thing. She calls it Blu-ray. Anyway, carry on. Oh, oh me? Yeah. Okay, well, we have The Red Road, complete second season. It's a Sundance original show. Um... It's kind of uh, a little under the radar, though. People really like it. It, uh, it takes place partially in the uh, Native American community, Native American tribe, and it stars Jason Momoa, who, of course, is going to be uh, Aquaman in the new, uh, what's it called? I movie? hope he shaves for Aquaman. He's not, no, no, no. It, no I don't it, want to see it, Aquaman it, looking like some shaggy beast, long hair and beard. It's a Warner Brothers superhero and... movie. You know what that means? they got to be badass. <sighs> yeah. You know, Marvel can be all poppy and candy-colored. So he's, Warner he, Brothers, badass. So, so our, our, our blonde Aquaman in the uh, kind of orange and green tight suit, that's not to be. That We're, we're going to get like a, like a hairy guy with tattoos. Yes. Great. And in this show, he... Uh, he plays a, uh, a parolee. He's trying to stay out of trouble. And, uh, yeah, you know, uh, people like this show. I, I didn't get much into it when I watched yeah. it. Uh, also on the CW, which we just talked about a few minutes ago with uh, the 100, we have Rain. R-E-I-G-N. I-G-N. Oh, we used to work for them. Now we don't. <laughs> and anyway. the site's coming along. I, I, I have not had time to really uh, delve into it uh, uh, this last week. But I will. This, we're, we're going we're gonna to have a fun site. Anyway, it's all about uh, what's going on in France. Uh, You know, Francis and Mary and tensions and the Black Death and that kind of stuff. And, of course, everybody is smoking hot. Even the moms are just smoking hot 48-year-old moms. They're so hot. Yep. 22 episodes, deleted scenes. It's on DVD, not Blu-ray. New episodes on the CW this fall. Rain. And I also want to take a moment here, just remind everybody, everything that we talk about in the show is listed when you go to digigods.com. When you go actually to digigods.com, you will see the, uh, the, uh, that's the show homepage. Uh, It's a a Libsyn page for now. It'll be uh, located on the synagogues.com site eventually when that is finished. And uh, they all all link straight over to Amazon. So uh, all all the stuff is listed. If you forget what we're talking about or if you miss something and you want to see a complete rundown, everything's there. And it'll be linked, and it'll take you right to that page at Amazon uh, if you so want. So we're trying to be as convenient as possible. Uh, the Code, Season 1. This is, a, uh, this is from Acorn. And this is, a, uh, this is an Australian show uh, that uh, is, uh, is pretty good. I, uh, you know, most Australian television is kind of hit uh, and miss to me, but this, takes, uh, this is basically a political show uh, that's... Uh, uh, probably a little bit too connected to Australian politics uh, to really probably hit me very hard. Uh, I'm sure if you're in Australia, this makes a lot more sense. But there's there's some crossover concept. Obviously, uh, you know the uh, 
it, 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 if, if you live in a country that has a government, some of it will, you know, the ideas of corrupt governments and conspiracies and all these kinds of things, that'll, you know, uh, that, that obviously plays globally in some way. But I, a lot of the nuances I just didn't really get and didn't quite understand. But it's okay. It's good. It's decent. Uh, some good acting and uh, some interesting actors that I think I'll, we'll probably see make the tr- crossover to uh, features at some point. A uh, popular show right now is Penny Dreadful. People are loving the Penny Dreadful. This is on Showtime. Second season is out now on Blu-ray as well. And uh, I love anything that's set in, you know, period London. Anything that deals with the, uh, the that whole kind of uh, Victorian world of Jack the Ripper and uh, Sherlock Holmes and all of that stuff. I, I'm totally into it. Uh, and John Logan, you know, it's got him written. He's, he's all over this thing. So I, I've always liked John Logan stuff. So, uh, yeah, Timothy Dalton um, does, a, you know, he's, he's terrific in this. Harry Treadway, uh, Josh Hartnett even, believe it or not. It's a, it's a good cast, a lot of fun. So Penny Dreadful and uh, Ben Kingsley in Tut, which was originally on Spike. This is also on Blu-ray with uh, Ultraviolet. Um, you know, are people going to stop hiring Ben Kingsley when he when he starts charging too much? He knows how to sort of keep his his uh, his quote exactly where it meets with his popularity. You know, and yet he's an Oscar winner. We have an Oscar winner in our little stupid you know what? movie. When he brings it, he brings it. Um, I liked him in um, in The Wire, which I haven't seen yet. Uh, I, I loved it. You know, I that's tanking. It. I know. You know why? Ben Worst Kingsley. marketing ever. Worst marketing ever. They had no idea how to sell that thing. Nobody, people look at, I mean, no one saw Man on Wire, first of all. I mean, right. it was an Oscar-winning doc that only a few people saw. You turn that thing, you, you, you sort of have to reintroduce the concept to people. I saw no TV ads. I saw no, uh, I, I saw billboards that didn't tell me what it was really about. I mean, I think they made an assumption that this is somehow after the Oscar-winning documentary it, it, that it's a known quantity. It's not. They had to fully reintroduce this thing to everybody and just saying from the director of, you know, Forrest Gump and, and uh, Castaway, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything to anybody. It is true. I think people seem to... The story is not like this universally known story. It's not. They, they did an incredibly bad job of, of selling it and teaching people why they needed to see this movie. And I also think it came out too early. Came out way too early. That should have been platformed in November. That should have been like well, a... Nothing could have gotten effects, so at least effects nomination. Well, it's... Anyway. So, uh, real quickly, uh, Ben Kingsley, you know, d- doing, the, uh, doing the Egyptian thing. Uh, it's all very Cecil B. DeMille. It's all very kind of campy. But, uh, you know, why not? It's, it's for Spike. They, they like that stuff. Um, a couple other uh, shows that are uh, enduringly popular for some reason. The Leftovers... Uh, first season. This is now uh, getting a second season order on HBO. This is also out on Blu-ray with uh, Ultraviolet. Uh, I'm kind of not quite sure what to make of this. This is, is slotted in with another one of these apocalyptic. You know, everything the Earth has ended. All these. This is another one of the new things, along with the fairy tale. Thing. Last man on Earth. Yeah. So we're we're into a kind of an apocalyptic trend too. And uh, in, in this case, this is the the idea is that two percent of the Earth's population has vanished. And nobody quite knows why. And is it you know is this something? Is there a religious thing going on? Is there a disease? Is there some space phenomenon? Some nobody quite knows why. And uh, so that dovetails into all of these other sort of interesting areas, which I don't know that they're going to be able to keep this going for very long. The problem, of course, is Damon Lindelof, who is a guy who loves to sort of open up rabbit holes but take you nowhere. And um, 
you know, but we'll, we'll does, see how long they can they can sustain that. But it does star Mr. Jennifer Aniston. Yes. Justin Thoreau. Yes, it does. Who's who's great? Who's By really the way, good? if you remember, Justin Thoreau plays the uh, the crazy uh, movie director in uh, Mulholland Drive. Yes, and and by the way, did you ever see the um uh he, and who by the way is a great screenwriter as well, co-wrote uh, uh um Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder. Did you ever see the featurette, the Tropic Thunder featurette that he narrates where he's basically playing like this thinly veiled variation on Vim Fenders doing that ridiculous Vim Fenders accent? Oh my gosh, it is so hysterical. It's almost funnier than the movie. It's 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 really great. There are very few things in this world funnier than Tropic Thunder. True. That's the last great studio comedy. And then we also have American Horror Show, American Horror Story Freak Show, the complete fourth season. Um, and, you know, this is uh, another one of those uh, just strange successes that I don't really understand. But uh, 13, episode, uh, th- uh, 13 episodes from season four. Uh, of this uh, creepy and disturbing yet strangely beguiling show mm. that uh, has a following among many friends of People ours. I love this show. I know. And the new season has Lady Gaga. I know. I don't, you know, I guess I get it. I guess it's part of the fairy tale thing I was talking about earlier. Uh, Swamp Monsters season one, uh, you know, really, seriously? Swamp Monsters? Is your re- has your reality television appetite got- appetite gotten that low? When I and think the- of Swamp Monsters, do you know what I think of? What do you think of? Scooby Doo. Of course you do. And then, ladies and gentlemen, out on a two disc special edition is Duck Dynasty season eight. If you're still watching this thing by season eight, I don't know what to tell you about managing your time. I really don't. Nothing is going to happen in season eight that is is any different from season six or se- season seven or five or even four. I just don't get it. At this point, I don't really understand what the point is. All right, Mark, let's uh, let's discuss some uh, new movies. Um, let's see. Uh, you a fan? Or do you I want didn't me see to... it. You didn't see it. You I'm didn't... eating ice cream, Wade. Okay, Leave well, you long. eat ice cream. See, I want to dig into my ice cream, and I was hoping to pawn that one off on you. And okay, mm. hold on. What is this again? This is the leftover uh, salted caramel ice cream, but you can tell it's starting to turn, getting a little grainy. Mm. And what's in it again? I'm, I'm vamping so that I can eat some. Sugar. Yes. Cream. Yes. A little bit of butter. Mm-hmm. Eggs. And mm-hmm. milk, maybe? Not sure. But... Are there crackers or something in here? Yes. With this recipe, yeah. this is the one that I took from the um, the recipe book from the uh, ice cream store in Brooklyn. You have to make the, the mix-ins. You got to make mm. it yourself. So these mix-ins are like made out of, you take 45 saltine crackers, lay them out on a, uh, on a half sheet, and then Got you it. pour a melted, uh, a butter, then melt, a, a melted sugar, then melted chocolate over it. Got it. All right. All right. The film I'm talking about here is Dope. Dope was a great, big, important pickup for Open Road at the uh, Sundance Film Festival. And it's terrific. It is just absolutely terrific. Enormous amount of fun. Um, this is um, a really, really cool comedy about a kid named Malcolm, played by Shamik Moore, uh, who is, he's, he's basically a rap nerd. He's a total, like, 80s-era, old-school hip-hop kid in a whole modern, new school, new hip-hop era. And um, 
it, it is he's a smart kid and it's all about it, it's just this amazing adventure caper that he gets uh, he gets caught in and uh, he has to somehow disentangle himself because his future is, entirely depends on this really a smart original quirky uh, adv- totally energetic movie really exciting directed by uh, Rick Famuyiwa who did uh, some years ago a film called The Wood which was uh, kind of a family drama set in Inglewood and uh, this is just totally his coming of age so I uh, I think it's absolutely a wonderful film I think it's totally cool I think it's uh, you know Force Whitaker produced it Farrell Williams was an executive producer they got a lot of really powerful people behind this thing uh, but it, for the most part this is just uh, this is just a great indie and this is the kind of stuff that I wish Sundance would come up with more of uh, kind of on the same level me and Earl and the dying girl was another huge Sundance sale uh, did you see this? yeah it was good I love this movie yeah Love this movie. Uh, kind of in the same vein as uh, The uh, Fault in Our Stars, which is, you know, it's about a kid who uh, befriends a girl who's dying of cancer, and he's, you know, pressured. In this case, he's pressured by his parents to, to you know, befriend her, and uh, she resents it, and he kind of resents it, and he's a bit of a nerd, and, you know, she's a bit of a nerd. And eventually it becomes just this wonderful friendship and romance, and it's absolutely fantastic. Very charming movie. So charming. I mean, just great in every every conceivable way. The, uh, the coolest part of this movie is the fact that uh, he and his friend make these kind of mock movies, which are like spoofs of real movies where they just change a single word. And uh, it's hysterical. I mean, it's really unbelievably funny. And these these things, some of them are better than others, but they've uh, they've got all of them in here. And uh, it's really it's a lot of fun. So uh, I, I highly recommend this. This is on Blu-ray and uh, Ultraviolet. You will you won't believe how much you thoroughly enjoy this movie. Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, really really fun. And then uh, before I let you talk about a few things so that I can finish my ice cream, uh, Zipper. You didn't see Zipper, did you? You see Zipper? Uh, no. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Zipper is a really interesting film. Uh, it stars Patrick Wilson and Lena Headey as his wife. Uh, also in this is uh, John Cho and Ray Winstone in a really kind of a creepy, you know, sleazy journalist part, and Richard Dreyfus in a small part as a political consultant. The idea is Patrick Wilson in a very kind of um, Michael Douglasy role as a uh, prosecutor, a district attorney, who has a real great political future ahead of him. But he has uh, kind of sex addiction, addiction issues, and those eventually lead him into this whole kind of underground escort thing, which jeopardizes his family life, his career. I mean, it's amazing how his life just starts to spin completely out of control at a certain point. And what's interesting about this is even though it has that whole kind of, uh, uh, you know, fatal attraction, basic instinct feel to it, it's not about the thriller aspect. It's purely psychological. It's very. It's just all about analyzing him and how all of this affects him and the lengths to which he will go to sort of protect a lifestyle that clearly is is nothing but bad for him. Uh, directed by Maura Stevens and written by Maura Stevens and her husband Joel Viertel, who is the uh, film's co-producer and um, editor. So it's a it's a husband and wife team putting this thing together, and uh, I could not have seen this film directed by a man. I got to be honest. I, I I'm not sure what to make of Patrick Wilson. He's good. He's good. I'm not quite sure what to make of him either. Cause I he's, feel like he's, he's good, but he's not great. He's, well, he's, he's blandly handsome, not leading man handsome. He's like in that weird middle ground. Mm-hmm. You know? You know who else is like that? Like Tony, inter- Gold, like Tony Goldwyn. But he's an interesting actor. 
He makes really interesting choices in his performances. Does he? Yeah. Like in uh, in uh, uh, little small little children. Watchman. Little well, forget about that. It's, no one made a good choice in that movie, but no, like little children. Sure. He's great. Oh yeah. Great. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. I agree. I agree. Mm. All right. So. Wait. Look. I'm, here's the thing. Here's the thing with Tremors. Yeah. I like the Tremors series. I like the first Tremors a lot with Kevin Bacon. What are we up to now? We're up to five. Oh, my gosh. Five, which means now we have Michael Gross, who, of course, was in uh, the original Tremors and has probably has not even acted since the original Tremors un- unless he's in a Tremors movie. So this one, you know, you can tell what they do. They, it's basically direct-to-DVD stuff, a bunch of explosions, a couple quippy lines, all shot you know, pretty much in you know, one desert location, a you know, bunch of uh, decent special effects. You know, it's just it's just it's just a B movie. So Tremors f- uh, Five Bloodlines is now out on Blu-ray and uh, DVD. So uh, if you like the Tremors uh, thing, then uh, good go ice for cream. It, Thank huh? you. Yeah, you're very well. Yeah. Now here's the thing with San Andreas. How, how long do you think they're going to be before they reboot Tremors? You know what? Tremors to me does not feel like a 150 million dollar. Uh, you know, six months. <laughs> you, you know what? Neither do most of the neither do most of the movies. Uh, yeah, True. six months. I agree. Wait, I'm, I'm, I'm going to admit something. Hmm. I, have a, uh, uh, I have a soft spot for, uh, uh, for The Rock. I think he's cool. He is. I do. He is. I have a soft spot for uh, a really bad adventure movies. I do. Day After Tomorrow. Love it. Independence Day. Love it. I have a soft spot, Wade. And then we come to San Andreas. Yeah. I liked it. Did you? Come on. It's L.A. It's, it's, it's exploding. It's an earthquake. Come on. It's The Rock. He's going to save the world. But is it in sense around? It's stupid. But it's like, it's, <laughs> come on. How dare you? Even that, that stupid John Cusack thing. What was the John Cusack thing with the with the, uh, uh, yeah. The, yeah. the earthquake? Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, yeah. The bomb. The thing. Yeah. What was that? The after tomorrow. Don't no, stop. No. no, don't stop the recording. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. No, you don't. You just think you do. No, I do. Wait, don't stop the recording. I'm not. John you look Cusack. For it. I can I can I can uh, move to another movie if you no, want. No 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 no. We're sticking with this. I know what the hell it is. 2012. Right. Yeah. That was it. 2012. Uh, yeah. 2012. Love it. Yeah. Now with 2012, I have to say that I, I just fast forwarded through the yeah. bits where the stuff blows up. Mm-hmm. That's all I care about. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, San Andreas. You know what? It's stupid and big and loud and and damn it if it's not stupid, big and loud. All right, bravo. <laughs> you know what else is uh, is stupid, really you know what else is really awesome, Mark? What? Spy. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> Come on. How funny is Spy? It's pretty great. Thank you. It's pretty great. So, yeah. So, How funny so, is with Miss McCarthy? She, she's killing it so much. She finally... That's like... That's the movie that we've wanted her to make. Ever since she sort of... She stole every single scene that she was in in Bridesmaids. Everybody wanted her to... Okay, now. Show us that you're a star. You can anchor a movie. And this is Tammy and all these... Other, it did quite... You know, and then she's in the, the, the thing with the, 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 the heat... Right, with, yeah, which, which was fun. It was okay. Um, doesn't really survive a second. But this is it. This, Come is, on. The, this is the number. Hilarious. It is. Love it's it. great. Love you know, it. Loved every second. Yeah. And you know what's great about it? Which was the director, Paul Feig. Yeah. He Who treat, did Bridesmaids? Who did Bridesmaids? But he treats this kind like just seriously enough. That well, it makes her funnier. You have the idea, of course, for those who don't know, who were locked in a cave for this past six months, is Melissa McCarthy wants to be a spy, and she winds up basically with a desk job at the CIA. And then the moment comes. They need somebody who's not a known quantity, right? So she gets the call, and of course, you know, hilarity ensues. And, but they surround her with people who, who bring all of that serious spy gravitas to the part, all that kind of quasi-James Bondy stuff. So, you know, you get Jason Statham, who, you know, is, who handles the comedy incredibly well. I mean, he's a great straight man. Uh, yeah, you know what? There are moments when I thought he didn't... Jude Law? 
come on. He was funny. I mean, Jude Law basically doing like this, this, phone, you know this phony James Bond thing is great. Statham hammed it up a little bit too much for me. Yeah. He, he, I, like, I, I like the idea of the casting, and he was smart to do it. Rose Byrne, great. You know what? She's, Love her. She's delicious. Love her. I like her. Absolutely I like do. Her. You know yeah. what? Anyway, Spy, hilarious. Spy is hilarious. Yep, so anyway, yes. And, and Paul Feig did the heat as well, we should point out. Right. So I mean, he, they have a rapport. He knows how to direct her. Anyway, a lot of great great stuff on here. Uh, this is the unrated edition, so you get, you know, uh, like 30 seconds more stuff that makes absolutely no difference. Uh, but it's great. Ultraviolet, Blu-ray, a lot of fun. Outtakes, alternate scenes. It's, uh, it's a good time. It's a good time. Wait, you know, I'm not a big fan of the horror films, Wait, I don't like the horror films. Although I did like, um, I did like, what's the one where they, they, uh, they, uh... Star Wars. <laughs> How dare you take away my joke. What's the one where when you sleep with somebody, you get the disease? Oh, it follows. Joke appropriation. It's a... It, it follows. Yeah. It follows. I like it. It follows. Right? It's good. It's good. Yeah. Like, that's a movie with some smarts. Yeah. Uh, now comes The Gallows. Yeah. A movie with no smarts. No. I don't like this movie. It was lame. Yeah. It's very short, though, yeah. which is a good thing. It's like 80 minutes. But uh, anyway, there was an accident at this uh, theater group, and then uh, on the 20-year anniversary, they wanted to restage the, the, uh, the show to honor the, the, the dead students. And, uh, yeah, and you know what? It's one of those stupid gorilla first-person cam things that I just wish would just go away. There, there's really – we are crucially running out of new ways to freshen True. up that whole, that whole first-person docu-thing. Yeah. Not happening. The only and, the only kind of guerrilla filmmaking I like is uh, something like the uh, the the banana splits, because that that's the, those guerrilla costumes were cool. Oh look, there's herky jerky camera work. Wow, I've yeah. never seen that before. Yeah, I know. It's oh look, old. it's 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 lit so that you just you can just see their face in the yeah. light of the camera, and they're really Lame. scared. Oh look. Lame. Lame. The, uh, the gallows pass. All right. And uh, Sharknado 3 is yeah. out from our, our friends at the Asylum awesome. who are milking this. I should, I should, uh, I should try to get a... I should try to get David to, to give me an interview for the, for the podcast so we can talk about some, uh, some Asylum stuff. That's what I should try to do. Anyway, you know, so, what we yeah. can do what we want now. We, uh, we, we, are, not, uh, we are not at the uh, teeter. I'm of, working uh, up some cool interviews, by the way. No, you're not. And, and, the, and the holiday show. We're, oh, we're, really? we're, yeah, I'm working up some cool stuff. It's not going to be as epic as last year. Uh, that was a little overkill. It just had too much material. But uh, it's going to be good. Um, so anyway, Sharknado 3. I mean, look, you know, how do, do I need to sell this? It's Sharknado 3. It sells itself. I mean, really. it is what it is. It knows what it is, and it's happy to be what it it's is. It's happy to be what it is, and you know why not? Let's just go. Uh, the uh, it's just a, a more more Sharknados. That's it. And uh, anyway, the hero has a chainsaw, and you can fill in all the fun. Mark Cuban even shows <laughs> shows up in this thing, which is just priceless. Uh, you know, just own it, man. That's that's ninety percent of the thing. And uh, when Marnie was there is a lovely, lovely uh, bit of anime from uh, the director Hiromasa Yonibayashi. Uh, he did this, of course, for the um, the, uh, the the animation Miyazaki's Animation House. Uh, uh, Ghibli. Ghibli. Thank you. Thank you. Or Ghibli. Ghibli. You know it's some pronunciation no, thing. We've been corrected no, on that in the past. I say Ghibli because I think the name sounds like giblets. Yeah. And it makes me laugh. It's what is it? Ghibli. Ghibli. Well, G. It's G. No. Somebody. Cor- they, pr- they corrected us. Some of the listeners corrected us and told us how to pronounce it, and we probably forgot. Gods at digigods.com. Tell us how to pronounce it. Studio Giblets. 
Anyway. <laughs> Tell him uh, it's funny. So, so yes. Uh, so, Yonabayashi is not, uh, he is not Miyazaki. But uh, this is a lovely, really sweet, uh, sweet film. Beautiful animation. I mean, uh, and, and the American version of this has some very, very solid voice casting. Uh, Haley Steinfeld, uh, Kiernan Shipka, John C. Riley, Gina Davis, Kathy Bates. Good voice casting and uh, a couple of little featurettes and storyboard tidbits in the back of it. But uh, essentially, this is just a wonderful uh, story of childhood friendship, and it's um, it's beautiful. It's just beautifully put together, and uh, I'm always impressed by how you know anime when it's done really well. Essentially, it's not doing things that are specifically animation oriented. They, they're they're doing things that here we might expect to be a, a live action film, but they see no reason why not why not make it animated. We. We can do it. We can tell this story, and we can pull those emotions. Wade, you know it's not animated. Uh, this movie, Dark Places, which uh-huh. uh, I did not like. Now, this was the second uh, film adaptation by um, Gillian Flynn, who gave us uh, Gone Girl. In fact, if you look at the Blu-ray cover, it's pretty much all dark, except for Charlize Theron's face, the words Dark Places that are in red, and then, of course, right above that, the words Gone Girl, which are also in red, to remind you that the author of Gone Girl is also the author of Dark Places. Uh, so this is a movie that uh, is fairly effective, but uh, doesn't really rise to the level of much more than a Saturday night or possibly Sunday afternoon rental. Uh, Charlize Theron plays a uh, woman who, uh, when she was a kid, her uh, family was murdered, and the brother was put in jail for it. Now it turns out that the brother might be innocent, and uh, Charlize Theron goes to investigate. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's got a lot of, uh, you know, there's satanic cults, and there's, a, there's a true crime stuff going on, and family secrets and whatnot, but I just feel like it's a little more routine than I think uh, it should be, especially if you're coming into this thinking it's going to be just as good as Gone Girl, so um, I would consider Dark Places like C-level Gone Girl, uh, but check it out. All right. Dark Places. Uh, a couple of sweet family films to mention here. Uh, one is The Journey Home with uh, Goran Vishnik, who used to be on ER, and Bridget Boynihan to go to Goyo. Uh, this is directed by Roger Spottiswood. And uh, Roger Spottiswood, who directed a Bond film, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right? Yes. And, and, he had a moment, like in yeah. the 80s, 90s. Yeah, he was 90s. a guy. He was the man, uh, or one of the men. Anyway, now he's doing direct-to-video stuff, but he's still Roger Spottiswood. He's still a capable director. And uh, this is actually a really, really sweet movie. Uh, wonderful Arctic photography. And, uh, you know, I always love the outdoorsy stuff. The whole Jack, uh, what's his name? Jack Wild, Jack Frost. Jack, call it the Jack Wild. London. Call it Jack London. Thank you. Jack the Ripper. Jack Frost, you know, Jack... You, you see where my head was going. No, I Anyway, a uh, very Jack Londony kind of a story. Uh, you know, with a kid in a polar bear cub. I mean, it's... Uh, it's it, that's it. It's done. It's all over. I mean, a polar bear, a cub, and a kid. Come on, it's like Flipper or, or Free Willy or Gentle Ben and all that stuff. It's just wonderful. You, you know, old Yeller. Come on. The yearling. Kids and animals. Peppa it never Pig. gets old. Peppa, Peppa Pig. Pig. Peppa Pig is an animal. <laughs> never gets old. So anyway, uh, it is a, it's a, just a wonderful adventure, wonderful family film, sweet story, uh, really recommended. Spottiswood still has it. And then also recommended Golden Shoes, uh, which is a, a soccer movie with uh, David DeLuise. Didn't you know him? Didn't you? Weren't you I knew Peter DeLuise. You knew Peter. Okay. Well, there's too many of those DeLuises. Really. It's like it's a, it's a, it's a whole brood. Oh, speaking of brood, never mind. Oh, Criterion? The brood? Shh. Is that this show? It's this show. Well, we better get to it. We're getting to it. Uh, John Rhys-Davies, Montel Williams is in this. Uh, Anyway, 
this is, you know, a little kid who uh, wants to be a great soccer player, just like Cristiano Ronaldo. If you don't know who Cristiano Ronaldo is, stop listening right now because there's no point. I'm not going to explain it. Anyway, uh, and uh, th- this kid just, you know, family crisis causes him to just embrace the, the glory of soccer. God bless him. Good for you. And uh, he's got some pretty awesome shoes. They are golden shoes, Mark. It's a little kid in his golden shoes. And the beauty of this, you're going to love this. So to promote this thing, they sent us one of those little, uh, little, little spongy soccer balls, like a little mini soccer ball that said golden shoes on it, which, of course, my daughter immediately took to and decides that we're going to play tennis with it. I want the golden spongy <laughs> No, no. Thing. Tennis. You know what I'm saying? It's a little soccer ball, and she wants to play tennis well, with it. Well, because she's, yeah. she's an idiot, Wade. I'm just putting that out there. I mean, really? Does oh, she know yeah. what? Does she know what one plus one is? No, I do. Okay, <laughs> so I'm just saying. Compared okay. to me, she's an idiot. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Carry on. All right, Manglehorn. Oh my gosh. So here's the thing with Al Pacino. He's he's on this little uh, late career run of little uh, mildly budgeted uh, character pieces, where he plays pretty much a disheveled uh, old has been in all of them. Exactly. That's and by the way, that's his new thing. And Gay, Danny Collins, I thought had some moments. I, I love Danny, Danny Collins. Collins. Sure. Hey, baby. I know, oh, come on! You, I'd love that. Well, in Manglehorn, he plays a guy named Manglehorn, and uh, he has uh, never mm. recovered from the death of no. his uh, love of his life, and so he uh, he strikes up a friendship with um, Holly Hunter. And I got to say, uh, watching Al Pacino and Holly Hunter underplay things. Kind of nice. is, is a pleasure in itself. And this movie also co-stars Harmony Corrine, who is a, <sighs> uh, one of these, the iconoclastic film director of Kids and a film that I love, which you did not love. Spring um, Breakers. Spring Breakers, which I absolutely yes, love. I hate that film. Uh, <laughs> I know you do. Well, you also hated uh, 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 Natural Born Killers. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, true. Anyway, so David Gordon Green, who has one of those crazy careers where he just does whatever he wants, uh, directed this. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see... Pacino underplayed. It's nice to see him treating this almost like a stage piece, and uh, I will give it a pass on that. And on David, that Gordon, only. David Gordon Green also has uh, we uh, the, the 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 big Sandra Bullock fascism. Yes, our brand is crisis. crisis. Yeah, that's uh, that's the biggest thing he's done, far and away. I mean, that's that's like he for did real. far and away. I no. thought that was Ron Howard. No, stop. And then uh, I have a soft spot for Adam Carolla, the uh, former host of The Man Show. I think he is very funny. I really do. I have to admit it. I think he's really funny. got a lot of great insights. And you do get some of that in his new film called Road Hard. And this is about a, a guy who uh, was on a, a hit sitcom and a bunch of movies, but now his career is kind of dried up. And so he decides to uh, uh, hit the comedy clubs, which means uh, spending nights in the horrible cockroach-laden hotel rooms and flying coach and... So he's kind of trying to uh, figure out what happened to his life, what happened to his love, and, uh, you know, try to get his daughter through college. So it's obviously the movie is built to ensure that uh, Adam Carolla has plenty of funny things to say on stage, and I think a lot of that stuff does work. So I, give this, I do like this thing. I think it's uh, completely fine. Um, I don't know that uh, Adam Carolla is much of a romantic actor. I think he may want to pass on that kind of stuff. But uh, it's got a decent uh, cast, Jay Moore, Howie Mandel, David Koechner, David Allen Greer. Larry Miller, Ileana Douglas, Dana Gould is in it. So, um, yeah, written, co-written and co-directed by Adam, Adam Carolla himself. So uh, I did kind of like this thing. You know what? I thought there were some good laughs. Uh, the, the, heart, the heart stuff is a uh, movie. Is, Adam Carolla does not have enough heart to really pull off any true emotions. But I'm here for the laughs, and I got just enough to say that Road Hard is pretty good. 
So, Mark, uh, we're going to wrap the show out with uh, classic movies and classic movie collections. This is something we will talk more about when the holiday show comes around. But I do want to point out to people uh, that, that they have now released a just gigantic, gargantuan bunch of just shameless James Bond promotional sets. They, there's like the, you know, the, for the, the Roger Moore this and the that and the Spectre this and the, oh my gosh, it's just out of control. And that also means that we now have a new Ultimate James Bond collection on Blu-ray. This is, uh, what, the third, fourth, fifth? I can't, well, anyway. I have the other one. The other the, one. The one that lays flat on your... Uh... Which is beautiful, which is absolutely fantastic. And this is uh, functionally no different from that. There is some additional material that is not on those. Nothing that is of any substantial value. The nice thing about this is it is, um, it is shelf-friendly. It is the actual same general form factor as, uh, as a regular you know, DVD box set. So it's, it's not the, the big flat you know, large form factor. This is more shelf-friendly form factor. But uh, you still have all 23 films uh, on Blu-ray and all in a little mini book and all the other stuff that was on the, uh, the previous sets. However, here's the big selling point in this. You ready for this, Mark? No. There's a space in this set, an empty space reserved for Spectre when it comes out next year. Yeah, but the other one had a reserved space for Skyfall. Didn't the other one have reserved space for Skyfall? Yes, but but it doesn't have a reserved space for Spectre. <laughs> At the time, they didn't know Spectre was going to exist. They knew a James Bond sequel would exist, but not Spectre. Darn. Oh, well. You're saying. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, you know, I, it, it, the people who hate having to double dip on these things, there's really nothing to worry about here. They, they really are just playing you. But uh, the, 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 the documentary here, um, Everything or Nothing... Uh, and uh, Which, by the way, is a really good documentary. It's a fantastic documentary it, it talks about. It, it gets pretty deep into uh, into the relationship between. It's great, you know, with, between the Broccoli's and Ian yeah. Fleming, and if you're a Bond aficionado with and Sean complete, Connery, yeah. who thought he was being exploited, and blah blah blah. Yeah, it's good. So I mean, you know, it's there. If you if you if you haven't bought a Bond box set yet, then that's the one to get, I guess. So whatever, knock yourselves out. What are we talking about next, Wade? Uh, let's see. Uh, you know what? I'll hit the criterions. I'll hit the criterions. Might as well. We're at that point in the show where we have to kind of punctuate it with great stuff. And you know what? Indeed, as I teased earlier, The Brood, Mark. David Cronenberg's The Brood gets the Criterion Collection uh, treatment. And I never would have imagined that a David Cronenberg film from 1979 that is basically a, a kind of a low-budget horror film would get that treatment. But Cronenberg is so legit now that we are, after the fact, reevaluating all of his earlier work and uh, kind of putting it... We're bestowing a, a an order of magnitude of uh, importance on all of his earlier stuff that now makes them criterion-worthy. And I don't like The Brood. I think The Brood is a horrible film. I really, really dislike it. I kind of feel like this is just uh, he, he's sort of trying to take Rosemary's Baby and uh, Children of the Corn or not the Children of the Corn what is it the, 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 the creepy kid movies you know oh, the Child's Play no not Child's Play the old uh, oh see I'm drawing a blank now Children title is escaping me the, creep, the, the creepy kid movies the old black and white creepy kid movies the old black and white creepy never kid mind movies. I'll come up with it black later. and white they're on black and white. Not yeah. the children, not the, the Twilight Zone. Where no, he no, 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 no. Anyway, it's any anything dealing with sort of unholy creepy. Am I going to know what this is and feel stupid? Yeah, no, you probably won't. It's probably not one of your one of your deals. 
Anyway, uh, the, yeah, you know what? I mean, it's a it's a good cast, but I, this it, look if you love if you love Cronenberg and you you're thrilled that this is a Criterion edition, by all means, knock yourself out. But this is not going to be one of my treasured Criterion titles. Uh, so the Brood is out there. It's got a lot of fun extra stuff on it if you're into it. Uh, you know, uh, interviews with Rick Baker and uh, just about everybody who was in cre- involved in this. Um, a 2011 interview with Cronenberg where he kind of reflects back on his career, a 2013 interview with uh, a couple of the actors. So, I mean, it's a, it's a nice bunch of uh, additional stuff, but not my kind of movie. And then also from Criterion, uh, much more my kind of movies, My Own Private Idaho, uh, the great Gus Van Sant film, finally out on Blu-ray. This is the 1991 movie that uh, paired River Phoenix and Keanu Reeves in probably... The, the two of their best performances and uh, the movie still it works it still works it uh, it still it almost feels more timely now than it did then the idea of these you know young hustlers and it's uh, it's sort of like the uh, the midnight cowboy of its era and um, still has a real vibrant sheen to it a lot of great stuff on here especially the 2005 documentary uh, with the uh, with the cast and crew and then uh, a lot of interviews and featurettes, conversation uh, from 2005 between Laurie Parker and uh, River Phoenix's sister, which is a little bit sad and distressing, and uh, some great essays in the booklet as well. So by all means, definitely check this out. My Own Private Idaho, finally on Blu-ray. Also finally on Blu-ray, uh, way the ra- we have a two. Well, we've been on Blu-ray before. Uh, Edward Scissorhands. This is uh, Johnny Depp and uh, Tim Burton's first collaboration, if I, uh, if I remember correctly. Yes, it was. And uh, this film is just a strange, whimsical, little fairy tale, delicate, funny, strange. Did I say strange? I believe I did. Yeah. Moderately heartfelt. Strange? Wait a minute. Tim it's Burton a little and, bit strange. Tim Burton and Johnny Depp? Strange? Strange, I'm those so two? Con- I'm so confused. That's- that's almost like Frank Capra and Jimmy Stewart. How could they be strange? This might actually be Tim Burton's most romantic film. Because I do not consider Tim Burton a, a, a man of romance. This was the first film I ever reviewed as a film critic. Did you know that? Edward that Scissorhands. F- I like it. It's a good movie, Wade Major. <laughs> it's a movie. I, I, uh, I didn't care for it. I know everyone else loves this movie, but I, it just didn't work for me. It should, you know what? Because it's like this, it's, it's like this weird gothic it try, romance. It tries too hard. It just tries too hard. It's, it's, Tim it's, Burton trying too hard? It's, it, it, is, it is sort of haphazard myth-making, and I, uh, it, it, it just doesn't, you know, it just sort of, it, yeah, it just tries too hard. I, the, the great myths, the great fairy tales, the great sort of legends don't, they don't feel as though somebody sat down and said, I think I'm going to make a great fairy tale. They feel organic. They feel like something that sort of grew out of another, out of someone's subconscious in a really just sweet, meaningful way. This doesn't have that. This feels constructed. Hey, how about a guy with scissors for hands? Oh, great. So now it's going to be a whole, we're going to get the whole creator uh, orphaned creation myth thing, you know, whether it's Pygmalion, whether it's Frankenstein, whether it's uh, the Gollum. I mean, this stuff's gone on for, you know, forever. It's back in the silent days for movies, and it goes back thousands of years as far as... I'm, and, and, you know, you're not adding anything to it just by making him a weird guy with funky hair and scissor hands. Oh, look, he, he can sculpt hedges. I don't get it. Whatever. But I know people love this movie, so I allow them their love without ridiculing them, but they suck. Scrooge. I am. 
Finally, we have uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Now, if you're not familiar with the Rocky Horror Picture Show, this is pretty much the... Uh, I, I, I wouldn't say it's the original cult film, because there are plenty of other cult films that came before mm-hmm. it, you know, Freaks and whatever, but Rocky Horror was sort of the first cult film of my, I guess, my lifetime? Yeah. And uh, I have to say, this was a film that showed at midnight theaters, and people would come dressed in all the costumes, and they would sing all the songs, and recite all the lyrics, and that was part of the fun. Sweet. The first time I saw the Rocky Heart Picture Show was on a bootleg VHS. Now, at the time, you, there was no the DVD, there was no Blu-ray, there was barely VHS, and Rocky Horror was not out on VHS, but somehow a friend of mine got a copy on VHS. I don't know how. So I wound up watching Rocky Horror Picture Show exactly the way it should not be watched, which mm-hmm. is alone with a buddy. Because you have to watch this movie with 300 other people Who are wearing dressed costumes, up. and they're singing the songs. Yeah. And recite, that's the whole thing. It is. So when I saw this movie just on the merits as a film, yeah. it sucked. <laughs> it just was a stupid movie. So, uh, so divorce from the hoopla that uh, needs to attend the film, I, I, I don't know that I would necessarily recommend it, unless you know what you're getting. I mean, if you, look, if you love Rocky Horror, hey, man, go nuts. Um, this is a great film uh, in terms of uh, cult filmmaking, in terms of participatory filmmaking, and, uh, or, par- or at least participatory film viewing. And there's a lot of special features on this um, 20th Century Fox uh, Blu-ray, so uh, I applaud them for uh, not just uh, uh, cranking this out. So there you go, Rocky Horror Picture Show, 40th anniversary. Rock on. And then no, our no, no. La- Rocky. Our- oh, yes. Our last two titles. Our last two titles. Um, Spartacus is out finally on a Blu-ray. Has this never been out on Blu-ray? No. Is this not on the, this is not on the Kubrick set? No, it's not. It's bizarre. No, Spartacus, well, because Spartacus is, Spartacus is not sort of, it's a universal film, first of all. All the, all the stuff that, that you Warner. get on the Kubrick, it's Warner and Sony. They, they, you know, they get, they get strange love over in there and they, they worked it out amongst themselves. And then you also have a little MGM in there when you, if, you know, when you, like, some of those sets in the past have had, you know, Killer's Kiss and the killing. Anyway, Spartacus is universal, and they don't let this thing go. So we – now, there, this is one reason why we always insist on on reviewing things final product. So don't – you know, so we, we ask, don't send us all your excited kind of preliminary check. Because we'll get things, even on the packaging, there is like an egregious error that drives me nuts here. On the back – they allowed somebody to say newly restored from large format 35 millimeter original film elements. Now, I know somebody just thought that was a great slogan and most people won't care, but let's let's be clear about something. 35 millimeter is not large format. Large format specifically means 70 millimeter. It means anything larger than 35. VistaVision uh, pan, you know, super, super Panavision, Cinerama, Todd AO, uh, IMAX. These things are large format. Just regular, average, run-of-the-mill 35 millimeter is not large format. So whoever cooked that up, newly restored from large format 35 millimeter original film elements, either doesn't know what they're talking about, or they are just shamelessly mutilating the, the, the vernacular in order to, to put a, a saleable slogan on this thing. In any case, that notwithstanding, it's a pretty beautiful... Uh, I, I thought it was a pretty beautiful transfer. Now, I am going to be speaking with Robert Harris, who, of course, was the archivist who restored this. He's spoken with us on the show before. And uh, we'll be talking to him about uh, how he feels about the Spartacus uh, Blu-ray. And... Uh, and, you know, get, get, get it straight from the horse's mouth because Harris, you know, frequents a lot of these forums and really, really lays into people when uh, something is not up to snuff. He's got the best eye of anybody in the business. But 
Blu-ray exclusives is what you want here. There's all the uh, all the usual bonus features that you would expect. Uh, the archival interviews with Ustinov and Gene Simmons that, that have been around before and vintage newsreels. But the, this Blu-ray, new stuff. Uh, I Am Spartacus, which is a, a conversation with Kirk Douglas on the making of the film. Brand new, all never before seen, and a, uh, a 2015 restoration tidbit. So uh, Spartacus looking good. Not my favorite Kubrick film, but a legendary epic started by Anthony Mann. Kubrick stepped in. It launched his career. And then lastly, Mark, Aladdin. The one and only Aladdin. Disney's Aladdin. Finally out in their, uh, their Diamond Edition. Uh, Are you really that big a fan of this movie? I love this movie. Really? I really do. Well, you know, the, the, the thing about Aladdin uh, is that this is the movie that, uh, you, you know, you had a- Mencken and Ashman were a great team. They had done stuff on Broadway, like Little Shop of Horrors, and then they became the Disney team. They did The Little Mermaid, and then they did Beauty and the Beast. And Howard Ashman, the amazing uh, genius of that duo, both a uh, no slight on Mencken, who's a great composer, but Ashman as a lyricist, one of the greatest lyricists who's ever lived, and so sad that we, we lost him prematurely, but they were working on Aladdin, and uh, he died before they finished it, so Tim Rice had to come in and finish the songs, and no disrespect to Tim Rice, but he's no Howard Ashman, and you can tell just lyrically who the wordsmith was and who it isn't. The Tim Rice stuff just is not the same, uh, but the, uh, the Howard Ashman stuff, you know, never met a friend like me, oh my gosh, just genius, it's genius that song. Uh, and I would even go so far as to say that this film actually changed animation history. What? Uh, yes. I would, I would go so far as to say that this film set the, set the stage for where animated films have gone since, which is more pop culture references, which is, you know, uh, uh, hipper, cooler, um, funnier, less touching, less classically romantic, and all that stuff. So that's what I think uh, the contribution of Aladdin is, for better or for worse. It works really well in this film. Robin Williams as the genie is one of the great cast- voice casting choices of all time. But uh, I, um, I'm not sure that other movies should have taken that ball and run with it quite so much. Anyway, gorgeous. It looks great. It sounds great. I, I don't know what else you you know. The, the wonderful uh, little extras here. Uh, including a, a you know a, a little Alan Menken featurette. I mean, it's great. This movie is just fantastic. Uh, not ready to show it to my daughter yet. It'll scare her. The big blue genie will freak her out. But Aww. you know what? I mean, it's good. And there's and there's outtakes. There's uh, there's um, animatics or something. No, no. There's like a geni- outtakes. genie outtakes. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's good stuff. Really funny. So, first time ever, and uh, available on Disney anywhere. Disney movies anywhere, which is their ultraviolet uh, equivalent. So there it is. Disney's Aladdin, finally in a diamond uh, edition. And with that, we will see you next week. You're the boss, the king to shine. Say what you wish is yours. True dish about a little more boggle As I'm a column A, try all of column B. I'm in the mood to help you, dude. You ain't never had a friend like me. No, my. No, no. The little hat. Can your friends go? Woo! Hey, look at here. Can your friends go? Abracadabra. Let it rip. And then make the sucker disappear. So don't you sit there and smack your bunky hide. I'm here to answer all your business plans. You got me bone out feet ass certified. You got a genie for a child to fail. I got a power to help you out. So what you wish, I really want to know.
soul. You got a list that's three miles long, no doubt. Well, all you gotta do is rub like so. Hey ho! Mr. Aladdin, sir, have you been shot two or three? I'm on the job, you big nabob. You ain't never had a friend, never had a friend. You ain't never had a friend, never had a friend. You ain't never had a Never had a friend like me. Ha. 